Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Do you feel like I do that there's been a characteristic change in the air for a number of weeks now? I mean, a little coolness in the mornings, a little chill seems to permeate the evenings as we sit outdoors. Some days are still warm, of course, during the daylight hours, where after all, we are in the Bahamas. But there have been so many days over the past several weeks when also the wind has been gusting quite strongly, leaves blowing all over the place, bunching up in every corner and crevice possible, making things look a little dirty and unkempt. There have been definite changes in our weather. In more northerly climes, the leaves on most trees would have already gone through those wonderful changes of orange and yellow and brown of the fall and would have actually fallen to the ground, leaving their branches bare as the leaves are all gone. All these are the indications that winter arrived. The changing seasons apparent all around. My wife and I were in Wales a number of weeks ago and we were both amused to watch the locals walking about in their coats and sweaters, even though at that point the weather was actually unseasonably warm for Wales. We were in shirt sleeves. I guess we would call this habit. When the calendar shows a certain date, out come the woolies. Cool or not, it's time to wear the proper clothing for the season. In contrast, as I say, we are from a warm climate, should have been the first to pull out the winter clothing and the first to want to go out with warm clothes on, but we were still comfortable wearing less clothing than the locals. Funny thing, habit. Customs and expectations and the mores of our age all influence what we see and apparently what we feel as well, as evidenced by the Welsh clothing choices. It was, of course, all very natural and everyone seemed to be operating on the same styles as dictated by the date, not so much by the temperature. And dare I say it, another year has come and we're well into another year, 2012. 2011 is a fading memory. The children are engaged in back-to-school activities. We're turning our attention to the many things that consume our lives. There is a danger that if we're not careful, we'll miss some of the important signs of the times. But when we come back, I'll make a few observations. Lost sinners 
You may well be asking, what's my theme for today? All this talk about the weather and seasons, what clothes to wear, a little bit of human interest story for sure. But more than this, what I was thinking is to be aware, to live life with the ability to be aware of the changing seasons, the changing seasons of life, that too, of course. To enjoy life as it comes, to accept the changing realities that accompany the various changes that come with time. For example, I'm now a grandfather. I have passed the stage of courtship and marriage. I've also passed the phase of children in raising a family. My children now have children of their own. My eldest grandchild is already driving and is now in the process of choosing a university. Where have all those years gone? I've retired from my first career and I'm now thinking about retiring from my second. My wife and I are thinking more of traveling in these twilight years of our life. God has been good to us and I'm so grateful that he has allowed us to be together for more than 40 years now. But throughout all these years, the seasons have come and gone. We have lived them together, recognizes that everything we have is a gift from our Heavenly Father. But those same signs point to a future that has been foreordained and described with various de degrees of detail in the Bible. We are all, as we live our lives, moving inexorably to a designated conclusion. Can you read the signs? Like the weather, can you see the changes coming? Can you feel the difference in the air? Can you sense that changes are happening and that winter is actually coming? Don't be like the Welsh people who dress according to habit, by how they've always responded to dates and times. Be sure, be confident. Whatever comes with the change, be sure that you belong to the King of Kings so that when he comes, you will be ready. Learn to read the signs and the seasons and be one of those which the scripture says will love his appearing. It's so good to know 
Now with his message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Thank you, Greg. What a great introduction. Thanks for that. Good morning, folks. We trust that you are experiencing God's blessings in your life as we enter this new year. In Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, the apostle gives the believers there the the assurance that contrary to the false teaching that was being circulated in the midst following his departure, the day of the Lord, he says, has not yet occurred, and therefore neither had the rapture as he had taught them. Thus their loved ones who had died with faith in Christ will in fact take part in that event. This was also Paul's intent with his first letter. However, he felt the need to follow that letter up with a second one. And in doing so, he underlines two important facts relative to the climax of the last days. Two facts which I feel must be clearly understood as we enter the year 2012 and we are being bombarded with numerous confusing scenarios of these last days events as a result of the Mayan calendar hype that is now being uh, popularized in the secular world. Today we're going to look at the first biblical fact here. And this is something I believe that is necessary for us as God's people to be aware of in order for us not to be disturbed in our faith or carried away by the winds of false teaching. So please follow along with me then as I do a walkthrough exposition of the opening verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Due to a lack of time, I'm going to give you a summary of the first six verses because we want to focus on verses 7 and following. In verses 1 and 2, upon greeting the Thessalonian church, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy pray that God the Father and God the Son would provide peace and grace to his church. In verses 3 and 4, they give thanks to the, for the Thessalonians who are increasing in faith and love. In verse 5, they assure them that their continued growth under adverse condition is an indication of God's working for good and result in reward for them in the kingdom. And in verse 6, the apostle explains that out of justice, God will repay those who persecute them and will also reward those who are afflicted with relief from their affliction. The Apostle then goes on to reveal that this just divine compensation or judgment will occur when Jesus returns to judge those who do evil and be glorified by those who believe. It is in these verses 7 through 10 that we have the first vital truth that we must understand clearly in these days. Listen carefully as I read the text then. Verse 7. To give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. End of quote. Now friends, this passage has reference to the second coming of Christ, which is also called the day of the Lord. Paul describes it here as a time 
both of relief and retribution. Relief for those who suffer persecution for the sake of Christ and retribution for the wicked. And specifically, to use his words, to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now this is an awesome passage of warning for those who reject Jesus Christ as Savior and who are left behind following the rapture of the church. One which must be clearly understood in these days in which we live, in which so many mixed and confused messages are being presented in print and on TV and video with respect to prophecy and the last days. Is there really a second chance for salvation for those who hear and deliberately reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and are left behind after the rapture, as is popularly taught today? Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul carefully in this passage. First, note that the revelation or appearance of Christ spoken of here is that which occurs at the second coming of Christ, not as his appearance for the rapture of the saints. Paul describes that appearance or coming in chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 of his first letter. In other words, that's where he describes the rapture. Listen to the words very carefully. I quote now, verse 15 of chapter 4. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. End of quote. You see, because of the persecution that the Thessalonians were experiencing, the Apostle Paul was teaching that the saints would be raised and transformed before the great tribulation occurred. But because of the persecution they were experiencing, the Thessalonians thought that perhaps the tribulation had already come. And they were false teachers who were teaching that. Paul is trying to correct that teaching. But notice now, there is no mention of mighty angels in flaming fire or dealing out of retribution in this passage here. These are the terms and events that are associated with his coming to earth, not coming in the air for his saints. This one has reference to his second coming, an event which will take place at least seven years after the rapture. Secondly, notice the objects of God's retribution. It is against, and I quote now, those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we must be careful here. Most scholars would agree that Paul is referring to only one group of people here, not two. That is, he's not referring to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus, as though they were two groups of people. He is referring to one group, to those who do not obey God because they have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is very important, because Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that the gospel that will be preached during the tribulation period is the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of Jesus, not the gospel of grace. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel specifically directed toward Jews, and which will be preached primarily by the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe. In other words, those who will be the first to experience what Paul calls the penalty of eternal destruction 
will be those who heard but rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ prior to the rapture. They were left behind when Christ came to snatch away his bride, the church. Notice how graphically and absolutely he describes their judgment. It is very specific. Listen to the word of God. These, who are these? Again, remember, these are the ones who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Friends, there is no indication of a second chance being given here. Eternal separation from God appears to be the fixed destiny of all those who heard the gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace, but rejected that gospel and were thus left behind at the rapture. Paul says that they will never share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please listen carefully to these words once again. These, that is, and I want to repeat this, those who reject the gospel of Christ and are left behind after the rapture, Paul is very deliberate. Notice what he says. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Friends, this is the first vital truth Paul teaches in this passage. There will be no second chance for those who reject the gospel of Christ in this age and are left behind after the rapture. Now I realize this goes contrary to what many people are teaching today, but I invite you to study the scriptures yourself. The second truth I want to mention is found in chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Here he addresses the Thessalonians concerning their relationship to the coming of the Lord and assures them that they need not be upset by any reports that the day of the Lord had come. Listen to what he says. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ on our gathering together to him. These are two different comings or appearances. That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either with, by a spirit or a message or a letter as it is from us. Somebody had forged a letter saying that this was Paul's teaching and Paul is correcting that. He says, reject that. Any teaching that teaches that the day of the Lord had come, you reject, is what he's saying. Paul is concerned that these believers have a clear understanding of the rapture, what he calls our gathering together to Christ. The second coming he calls the day of the Lord. And as he says here, one can be quickly shaken from their composure if these two events are confused. Today, my friends, many are being shaken from their doctrinal composure for the very same reason. The remedy today is the same as it was in Paul's day. Sound biblical teaching. That's what Paul gives here. He says, no matter what others are saying in any form, listen and pay attention to what I have taught you. Stick to the truth. Stick to the text, he's saying. No fanciful speculations. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians not to be misled about the day of the Lord, because it must be preceded by the apostasy and the coming of the man of lawlessness, as he had previously taught them. Listen to verse 3. This is what he says. Let no one in any way deceive you. He echoes the warning of Jesus Christ in Matthew 24, concerning false teachers who would frighten and lead many astray. Paul continues by giving information of events that must happen before the tribulation begins. Event number one, it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Now the term apostasy means falling away or even rebellion in the sense of forsaking one's former allegiance. It carries the connotation of more than simply falling away, however, from doctrine. 
but also that of setting also of setting oneself up in opposition to God as well. It is also important to note that as translated here, the definite article is used in the original. This says, therefore, that Paul is referring to a specific and already known or mentioned event. Perhaps he's alluding to Jesus' words in Matthew 24, where he says in verse 10, At that time many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Perhaps Paul is simply saying, I am speaking about that apostasy that Jesus spoke of. Paul says this departure from the truth and the resulting widespread opposition to God must occur. It must occur before Christ comes to earth the second time, before the day of the Lord or the great tribulation. Now I must say here, some people would also, so some scholars believe that this falling away can also be translated as being taken away and it could refer to the rapture. I'll discuss this at another time. But Paul gives the second event that must occur before the tribulation. He says, The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. End of quote. Now, of course, the man of lawlessness or the man of sin, as the King James Version puts it, must be revealed before the great tribulation. But before he is revealed, there must be this apostasy of falling away or the rapture of the church. It's very important here to see these sequences here because everything will happen exactly as it is described in this passage. The second or final part is really the great tribulation. There's a seven-year period called the tribulation, but it's only the last three and a half years which Jesus calls the time of Israel's or Jacob's trouble. That is the great tribulation, the last or final three and a half years of this seven-year period. This is what Daniel and Christ referred to uh, when in Daniel uh, chapter 9 when um, Daniel described the event that will mark the end of the end, as it were. He calls it the abomination of desolation. When this occurs, this abomination of desolation, when the man of sin will put up a image of himself in the temple in Jerusalem to be worshipped by all people, Jesus says this will mark the beginning of the great tribulation. Hell in all its fury will really break out on earth at that time. My friends, it is really important for us to understand that. This is the sign that Jesus was giving in Matthew 24. We talk about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and saying they're the signs of the end, but Jesus himself says they were not signs. They were none signs. The true sign is the abomination of desolation, and we need to understand this. So we'll be talking about this in another message. My point here, though, my friends, is this. We are living in the day of grace, the age of grace right now, the time when the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. This is the only time that you have to be sure that you can have a place in heaven because there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the gospel of grace. That will not be taught after the rapture. So the only time you can prepare now for the rapture is right now because as we will talk about later as well, the rapture could occur at any time. 
So I ask you the same question that I asked last time. Are you rapture ready? Have you placed faith in Christ as your Savior? If not, we appeal to you today to do that. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore evermore to stay. command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ to come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come